The following episode contains sensitive information. Listener discretion is advised. You're tuning into the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. As a best-selling author, certified life coach, and speaker, I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and transform you from the inside out. From time to time, you may hear a solo episode, but for the most part, we will be joined by real-life guests who have overcome adversity. But as they have done the work, today they are thriving. So grab your pen and paper as we get started and learn firsthand tips and tricks to change the trajectory of your lives so we can live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera Danich, owner and founder of MRD Empowerment Solutions. And today we have an amazing young lady with us. Um, and let's bring her right on and get started. Hello, how are you? Good. How are you, Marianne? Good, thank you. So let's get started. Tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Latoya Matthews, and I am currently living in North Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from Mississippi, so born and raised, bred, you know, country girl, um, but decided to move. And so now I live here with my now husband, um, who we've been married for almost 17 years, and um, our 16-year-old daughter. And so I am a freedom coach. And I help women who've experienced abortion find liberation after. And so it's just one of those things where I believe that there is nothing that God cannot use in our life. Everything, you know, can be used for his glory. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So true. So can you share about your personal journey leading to the decision of having an abortion? Yes. Um, Well, it was 2003 and I was... I had just graduated from college and I was dating my now husband. Um, So my abortion is with my husband. And so we were dating. And so, you know, I was doing things, but I was also naive, like, you know, how how could you not expect this to happen? You know, you're putting in action, you're, you know, you're doing the things. And so I was still kind of in denial, but I was in the grocery store and my grandmother's friend saw me and she was like, you're glowing. And I was Mm. like, okay. And she was like, your your little nose is spreaded, you know? And she was like, you know, evidently my body was giving off signs that I was carrying life to everybody else Mm. except me. Mm. And my cousin was also making fun of me at that time about me sleeping a lot, but I thought it was just for me, you know, really just being up late with my boyfriend at the time. And so I went to the health department in Mississippi and when it took a pregnancy test and I was still in denial and she was like, you're pregnant. And after that, it was just like, I zoned out. I didn't hear anything else she said. And so I called my boyfriend and I told him, and that was just like this awkward silence because honestly, I didn't even know if we were going to be together. And so it was, you know, one of those things where I had never even heard of abortion. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even know where the term came from because it was just like, where I'm from, when you get pregnant, 
people have babies. You know, I just, I never heard of that word. And so it was presented to me and it sounded good because at the time I had two scholarships, one to play tennis and one to play basketball. And it was like, I'm afforded this opportunity because I already had made up in my mind, I'm leaving Mississippi. Like Mississippi is not the place for me. So I'm leaving. So this is my way out. And so I booked the appointment and that same day, we were already going school shopping because I was beginning college in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And so I booked the appointment and I would just remember walking in that clinic with my head held down, like thinking that someone was going to see me. And so I go to the back, they call me to the back and I'm laying up on, you know, the bed of where you had the procedure. And I'm just looking around the room and, you know, there's these jars that are up on the wall and, I just remember hearing the weird, the um, the sound of the machine because this I didn't know that they offered pills at that time. So this wasn't a pure uh, pill procedure. This was the actual um, vacuum. Like the vacuum. Mm-hmm. Yep, the vacuum. And so I just remember hearing that sound and then thinking that my child is in one of those jars, you know, now. Mm. And so I go into the recovery room and I sit there and then I go out to the truck and we are sitting there and there's just like this awkward silence. And after that, I went school shopping and to, to prepare myself for college. And so when I got back to my aunt's house, I just remember walking in the back bedroom and the business of that day had worn off. And I just remember sitting on that bed and all of a sudden everything just came crashing down. And I just began to cry like, and just say, God, what did I just do? And that was just like this heavy weight of guilt and regret. And so my boyfriend must've been feeling the same way because he came back, he came back and picked me up. And I just remember being in the car with him and, being able to cry on his shoulder and for that from that moment on for about 10 years I just remember praying to God every day asking him to forgive me for what I had done yeah and so it was just like this this constant like I didn't know how to pray the only thing that I knew was God forgive me that was just my daily prayer. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I moved to Georgia in 2006, but sometime after that, my now pastor introduced me to a book by Lisa Bevere called The True Measure of a Woman. And in that book, it was two questions. What is it that you have in your closet that you need to clean out? And what is it of value that you have to give to someone else? Mm-hmm. And I just remember that first question kind of being God tugging at me saying, And now it's time to clean out this little part in your closet called abortion. And when I got to that second question, I just remember crying, like sobbing, because I was like, God, why did you create me with no purpose? Because I feel like I have nothing to give to no one else. Mm. And in that moment, I felt defeated. I felt, you know, like, God, why? Why am I even here? Mm -hmm. And so we met back up because this this was a group discussion with a group of women, but I'm thankful that it was only a handful of us that was in that room. And I just remember, you know, trying not to be seen, not wanting to answer these questions. And, but somehow I, you know, stood up and gave my answers. 
And I told my pastor that I had prayed every day for God to forgive me. And her response was, sweetie, God forgave you the very first time that you prayed. Forgive yourself. And Yes. And so she didn't know. But at that time, I had had this pain in my stomach almost as a reminder of what I had done. Like every mm -hmm. now and then I would get sharp pain in my stomach. But she didn't know that. But from that moment of her saying, God forgave you the very first time, that pain has gone away. I haven't had it anymore because now I realize that it was me, you know, holding on to that unforgiveness against myself. And so right. it was just like a gift that she had afforded to me, a gift that I didn't even know that I needed the gift of forgiveness. And right. so I remember just receiving that and just like a sigh of relief, like a burden had been lifted off mm -hmm. of me. And that is what started my healing journey. And that's how you know, I got to the, that place of being able to release that. And because, like I said, I had never heard of anybody right. talk about this. And it was just like, where do I go? Like, who can I talk to? And her just providing that safe space, that compassionate space for me to, to be able to speak that was, you know, something that I really needed at that time. Yeah, I'm so thankful that, you know, thank you for sharing your story. So there's a lot there to unpack. And, you know, and I'm glad and also, you know, thankful that you had that safe person, you know, that you were surrounded with. So can you share a little bit as to what was the emotional and psychological impact of the abortion? The emotional and psychological impact it was major like I would have suicidal thoughts I would have these thoughts of not being worthy having these thoughts of not being valuable and to add on to that in 2006 I had my daughter as soon as I moved to Georgia I got pregnant and I had my daughter and along with though with that came you know more because after I had her no one had really talked to me about um, postpartum you know, depression, postpartum, the things that come with having a child. And so when she was born at two weeks old, my husband went to, he went out of town um, to visit my son, my bonus son, because um, he lives with his mom in Mississippi. And so he left to go out of town. And so it's me and my mom there. And so when I would pick up my daughter, she would start crying. But when my mom picked her up, she would be calm. And I didn't know that babies could feel the stress, you know, of a parent. And so I immediately ran outside and called my husband on the phone. And I was like, she doesn't love me. And he's like, mm. what are you talking about? Like, what is happening right now? And I began to tell him that. And it was just, you know, being in that moment to even have a thought that a two week old knew what love was like. That's mm. how mental mentally like. I was gone, like thinking that my child that I had given birth with, like this was what I get, you know, for making that decision in 2003 that she would not love me because of that. And so the emotional side of it, it was it was hard. It was just like being in this place of being surrounded by people, but with that you love, but also feeling alone at the same time. And so it was just this feeling of being in isolation, but not being in isolation, if that makes right. sense. And so it, it was just always this place of being self-isolated and not wanting to 
be be seen by people because what if people knew like it was just these thoughts of you will always have to you know deal with this and right. so it was it was very hard very hard so i know you shared a little bit as to you know immediately feeling guilty but can mm -hmm. you share you know a little bit more as to how you felt immediately after the abortion and how have those feelings evolved over the years well it was it's crazy because I now realize, looking back, that I had just got baptized in May. And so I got baptized, but it was still this thing of I didn't really understand why I got baptized. And so it was just like after I had my abortion, those feelings of guilt, I do believe that it was because of that I got baptized, that these feelings, you know, did arise that I wasn't connecting the dots with. And so it was just this thought every day of feeling guilty, like I'm not deserving of good things to happen to me because of my decision. Like I'm not good enough to receive the blessings. I'm not good enough to receive the love. I'm not good enough. Like I'm just this, you know, bad person. And so that was just immediate and it didn't help either that I had also told a friend what I had done and she told someone else. So the trust was broken. So now I have a wall built up and I can't trust people. So that also made me, you know, stay in my shell to not even want to talk about it and to not want to be seen. Yeah. And so it was a lot that was happening. Right. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. So many people experience a wide range of emotions, you know, during abortions. Can you share some of the coping mechanisms or the support system that you had that helped you through the process? Yes. And let me also state that not everyone has the same feelings, right? So you have people that also that feel the weight of guilt and regret but it's not in the sense of what they've done, but they feel guilty because they don't feel bad. Right. And so you have those people who, and you have a right to feel the way you feel. But one of the things that I um, didn't know was available to me at that time was the post-abortion healing groups. There are support groups that are there for post-abortive women, but I didn't know that at the time. So I thought that I was in this alone, but the thing about the support groups is that you have to be willing to speak. You have to be willing to show up. You have to be willing, you know, to open your mouth. And one of the things that I have realized is that therapy is not always a first option for post-abortive women because a lot of those women that go to therapy feel like they're being judged. And so therapy is not out of the question, is not out of the options, but it just may not be your first option. Hmm. That's good. That's good um, because, you know, I don't know many post-abortive therapy therapists that are out there, um, but hmm. it's not off the table, but it just may not be your first option. So it's just finding a community of people who've experienced the same thing that you feel, who can give you advice to let you know, hey, this may come at a time, but it may not always be that way. And okay. it's OK to feel the way that you feel. And the one thing that I would also say, too, is that even as a, a woman who's ex, who's experienced abortion, you have permission to grieve. I think a lot of times, you know, with society, we make 
the the woman seem like it's not an option for her, that it's not okay for her to grieve. Right. But I want to let that person know that you have permission to grieve. Even after abortion, you have permission to grieve. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So how you know, was your how was your relationship with your you know partner then who's now your husband and with your family? Did they know what had happened? And what challenges, if any, did you experience? Well, at the time when I made my decision, one of the reasons why I also made the decision is because I said I didn't have a great relationship with my mom. We didn't have communication, you know, where I could tell her things. And so um, we it was it was it was tough because it was like he didn't know how to handle you know, what was happening with me. Cause I didn't even know how to handle, you know, what no. was happening with me, let alone him trying to, you know, do it. But I'm grateful for my pastor. Like I said, because she provided compassion. She provided love. She provided that safe space um, that I needed. And for my husband, it was just always, um, now we can talk about it, but it was just always him working. It was, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to work so I don't have to be at home to, you know, look and deal with, you know, what is happening. And so it, it was a so lot. kind of like avoiding the situation. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so still being able to have to take care of my daughter and, you know, show up for her. And then I saw that, you know, things were starting to happen where she was picking up some of my tendencies and habits. And I was like, something has to give because I don't want her, you know, to, pick up those insecurities that I have. So I knew that I needed work that needed to be done, but it was, it got better as I allowed myself permission for it to get better. Hmm. That's good. Especially that giving yourself, you know, permission. That's good. Mm -hmm. So the healing process for, you know, every, anyone that goes through an abortion is very personal. So how yes. do you continue to, you know, deal with, you know, some of those residuals, you know, feelings that come about and what advice would you give to someone who is either contemplating or has had an abortion? So the way that I deal with it is speaking because shame wants to keep secrets, right? Shame wants to keep you in the shadows. It wants to keep you in this place of where if I can keep you isolated, then I got you exactly where I want you. And so one of the things that has really helped me is just knowing that I am forgiven and I am really big on praying and saying, God, give me eyes to see myself as you see me and taking him at his word. Because when I asked for forgiveness and my pastor said, you are forgiven, it's like, well, now if God isn't holding it over my head, then why am I still doing that? And so it's one of those things where I have to really, again, give myself permission to show up, right? And so I have to speak. And I know that every time that I speak, my strength is, mm -hmm. you know, being rebuilt. Every time that I speak, the shackles of shame are being broken. Every time that I speak and allow myself to tell this story, you know, something new takes place. And so when God asked me to tell this story, I was just like, no, get somebody else to do it because I don't want the judgment. I don't want the yeah. fear. You know, I don't want the ridicule. I don't want all of that. Right. You know, so it's just like we have to find. And I don't mean just 
speaking anywhere, find a safe space to speak. Correct. That's important yeah. um, because even though we like to share things with family, sometimes family isn't always that safe space that we need. Mm -hmm. And so, so just true. really being able to speak, even if you have to journal, you know, get it out of your mind paper and yeah. journaling has been a lot for me um really big in my healing but also just remaining in god's word because i also remind myself that you know what if god said that my days were written in the book that he already knew this day was coming right true yeah that's true you know and so okay. i have to constantly give myself um, grace and know that I am worthy of healing, that I am the daughter of the Most High King, that this is a promise to me and that my abortion did not abort the promise. Oh, I love that. And so if so, we're... Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so if we're willing to be open to that and receive that, one thing that I know people have always said that regret in that it's something that you'll live with for the rest of your life. And mm -hmm. I don't agree with that because if God's word says, you know, that I'm forgiven, if God's word said that it, whom the son set free is free indeed, then that's true. And so, um, and so now I get the opportunity to truly be free and to know that this, there is hope on the other side that, that abortion is a wound, but right now that wound is healed. I'm just being healed from the side effects of what it caused in my life. Mm. I like the way you said that. I said. So you spoke about books and you talked about, you know, speaking. So, you know, shifting gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a book and you're working on a new book. So can you tell yes. us as to both of the books and what led you to write both of those? Well, my first book is called Discovery. It's a 30 day devotional journal for women. And I wrote that back in 2018. And it was just kind of a, an obedience thing. I knew that God was asking me to write something. And I love devotionals, but I also love short, sweet, straight to the point devotionals. So I was like, you know, I'm a working woman. So, you know, I really don't have time sometimes. So having that two minute journal, that's what discovery is. And it's also just helping women to discover who they are through God's word. And so Discovery is out. And my forthcoming book that I am working on right now is called Unveil Freedom. And it is out. And it is my memoir, the raw, transparent, honest truth of removing the burden of shame after abortion. And I called it Unveil Freedom because there was this person that people got to see before I became free. But now there's this version of me that you get to see that you've never seen before on the other side of shame, on the other side of guilt and regret, regret, and truly just stepping into who God created me to be. And so Unveil Freedom is um, coming out January, January the 12th, which is my birthday. So I'm really excited. It's my first book. It, it was hard, but it was worth it. <laughs> Yeah. What was hard about it? Can you share some of that? Yes. Well, the hard thing that I was um, really looking at is I, I rem 
remember writing down in my phone in my notes because I had to grant to capture it really quick. And I said that in this moment right now, it's okay for me to grieve. It's okay for me to grieve that I didn't know what the sex of my child was. Like, it's okay to grieve that I didn't know that support was available to me then. It's okay to grieve that I am shedding this part of me that I have known and become comfortable with for so long. And so I I talk about that in the book and just talking about the things that shame do to us, causing us to compare the way we parent, compare, you know, our bodies, compare how we show up in the world and what we want. And so it's really giving others permission to become authors of their own stories stories. And so you don't have to be a post-abortive person to read this book, but anyone who has dealt with shame, you know, I encourage them to read it because it's really one of those things where you get to rewrite the story. Shame doesn't dictate your story. You know, it's just a part of the story, but it's not the story that God has written for you. So you get to rewrite and become the author of your own story. I love that. And you also have a retreat. So can you tell us about your retreat and what inspired that and who is it for? Yes. So I have two retreats. Actually, we have a marriage retreat called Married and Free, um, which is for couples and um, couples who are looking to reconnect, but also for couples who have experienced reproductive loss, um, whether it be um, miscarriages, stillborn or, you know, abortion just really reconnecting the husband and wife because um, studies have shown that it takes men several years before they start their healing process, whereas the women already, you know, begins her process. Mm -hmm. And so we really want that space for couples to be really be connected, reconnected and be restored and, you know, know that your marriage can thrive after loss. And so um, we have the the free woman retreat and the free woman retreat is for any woman. Like it was specifically for women who've been through traumatic events. But when I opened the doors to the retreat, it was just like women from all over, from all walks of life came. Mm-hmm. And so we just take three days to just sit with the Lord, to really connect with God and to connect with each other and It is, we have it here in Atlanta. And matter of fact, we have the free woman retreat that is coming up in March, March 15th through the 17th, 2024 um, here in Atlanta. And it's just a time to really retreat and connect with God, to really grow in intimacy with God and just really come and be a place where you can kick back, release, and just be transparent and just knowing that you have a safe non-judgmental space like it's a very sacred space that we allow the holy spirit to come in and do whatever it is that you know he wants to do i love that that. and so this started because of me the way that i felt like i didn't have community like i had my husband and um, my daughter and my pastor but i didn't have like true community and so i wanted other women to know that they were not alone and so And this is why I created um, the free woman retreat, because it was just in plus I love doing events like there's something about intimate spaces that just get me like I love being in intimate spaces. And so I just created what I needed and I created what, you know, women 
um, you know, wanted. And it all spurred from doing my free woman program because I had a, a program called the free woman program where women, we walked through eight weeks of healing and mending, you know, like going through all the things. And those same women were like, we need to, you know, come face to face. And so it was, it was created. That's awesome. So how is the relationship today with your husband? And I know that you share that you have a daughter. Have you spoken to her about your experience and what you went through? Yes. So my relationship with my husband, it's like we're we're newly in love again. It was just like there is a renewal. There's a refreshing um, that has taken place in our marriage. And it's just like we're getting to know each other outside of all of that. And it just has been a beautiful thing to watch the Lord touch my husband's heart and to be exactly where he is right now. And it's just we we are doing the 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 work together now. So, and the one thing that I like to say is that even as a wife, I wrote down that my obedience opens doors for others. And so mm-hmm. my obedience in walking in what God has asked me to do has opened the door for my husband's healing. It has opened the door for him to really see God work and move. And so when I, when I obey God, it opens the door for somebody else. And so I had to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and so as far as my daughter, my husband asked me one day, and I think she was like 12, 13 years old, because he was mm. like, does she know exactly what it is that you do? And I was like, I don't know, because I just it, it, it never occurred to me because I just take her wherever I go. If I'm speaking, I take her. If I'm doing something, she's always with me. So I don't know. And so we called her down and I asked her if she knew what abortion was. And so she gave me her definition of what it meant. And I told her what I had done. And her response was, well, thank you for choosing me. Mm. And it was just like another level of God's love that I got to experience. And it was just like more water to my weary soul that I didn't know that I needed, you know, to have that grace and that mercy come for, come from her. It was just like God was speaking through her. And for that to be her response, like all I could do, I teared up because it was just right. like, I know what you've done, but I'm thankful that you chose me. Like, thank you for choosing me and, you know, allowing me life. And so that meant so much to me. And it has really opened up communication between us. Like we have a great relationship knowing that she can come and talk to me about anything and we can have these conversations, you know, especially like when Roe versus Wade got overturned. It was like we had a conversation about that because, Um, you know, she had some things to say and, and this is why communication between parent and child is so important because it's just like, you know, when we were younger, it was just like, stay out the kitchen, get out of grown folks business. You know, we didn't have those conversations, but you know, you want to be able to change that because the vision that I have for everything that I do is creating and being a catalyst for generational healing. Like this is the way generational healing takes place by having an open door for communication to take place. That's so true. That's so true. So you are on the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. So what does fearless living mean to you and how are you living a fearless life? (sighs) A fearless life to me is a, a life without 
living a life without judgment, just walking in the obedience of what has been asked of you, you know, whatever that call, whatever that assignment, whatever that duty is that you've been called to do, just walking in obedience. And I think obedience is the thing that creates fearlessness. I, um, what was the second part of that question? How are you living a fearless life? Okay. I'm living a fearless life by speaking. Like is, the more I speak out is just like I'm becoming more fearless, right? The yeah. more I open my mouth and, you know, because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, but by the word of our testimony. And so the more I share my testimony, that is what brings me um, that fearlessness. I love that. I love that. So as we get ready to um, wind down, I know that you shared, you know, the new book is going to be out soon and mm -hmm. you have the retreat coming out in March. Are there any other things, you know, happening in your business or in personal life that you would like to share coming up in 2024? Yes. Well, I mentioned my book is coming out January the 12th on my birthday. And the great thing about this is that I am having a worship night here in Atlanta and it's going to be a worship night slash book launch. And so I'm really excited about that because it's just a night of worship and really removing the veil. You know, what better way to start the new year than worshiping and really being able to remove that veil so that you can truly become free and remain free in 2024. And so um, that's one thing that I'm excited about in 2024 that the Unveil Freedom book launch slash worship night. And we have an, ama um, an amazing worship leader that is going to be joining us. I'm not going to say right now, but you will find out who it is. But <laughs> she is amazing and I'm excited to have her. And so just, you know, be on the lookout for me just showing up in these different spaces and speaking. Like that's what I'm looking forward to in 2024. Awesome. So for people to be on the lookout, where can our viewers and our listeners connect with you, learn more about you, sign up for your, you know, retreat and all that good stuff? Um, well, you can go to my website, Latoya Matthews, and that's M-A-T-H-E-W-S dot com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the T-H-E Latoya Matthews. That's it. One T, one T in Matthews. Don't you dare put two. <laughs> awesome. I'll make sure to capture that in the show notes. And <laughs> lastly, can you share some final, you know, words, a final message of hope and resilience for those that may be listening that are going through whatever challenges they may be currently facing? Yes. So I would like to um, offer this that, you know, God said, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. And I want you to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like it may not be going as fast as you want it to do to be. But one thing that I have learned with writing my book is to be is to be present in the process. Like don't just rush through the process, but truly embrace the process, lean into it. If you have to cry, cry. If you have to scream, scream, but be present in the process and don't miss what God is trying to do in and through you, because what is coming up next for you is depending on what you do in this season. That's beautiful. 
Thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing part of your story with us. You're so welcome. Thank you for so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. Make sure to stay connected with us and you can find us on Facebook at MRD Empowerment Solutions or on Instagram as Marianne Rivera Dannert. You can also visit our website at MarianneRiveraDannert.com. As always, you are fearless, you are fabulous, you are a priority, and you matter. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today.